Greetings in the name of the Lord. Welcome. Grace be with you. Peace. Shalom. Whatever greeting works. I am Cullen Cressman, and this is my attempt at a podcast. Hello to everyone listening. I hope that you and your home are blessed and doing well. Today we're going to talk about James chapter 3. And so let's build up. I encourage everybody to go back and listen to the previous episodes. But if you're just jumping in, I'll give you some foundational pieces. James, as some would say it's disjointed, but what we've argued is that it is a sermon, that it all flows and the introduction is key. In chapter 1, and we'll see that a lot today in chapter 3 when we start discussing connections back to chapter 1. But what we have uh, covered so far is that there's a trajectory, there's an argument being made by James, and we're getting to the pinnacle, we're getting to the the top point. James has been building, he's talked about uh, the law, he's talked about that we should be consistent, that we should not be prideful, we should not be double-minded, that our actions are what demonstrate what we believe in, and we want to make sure that we are always living out those beliefs, challenging ourselves to live out those beliefs. And so we're going to jump right in in chapter 3, and I will start reading, and we'll just discuss things as they come up. But today I want you, I'm going to give you kind of a map. I want you to pay attention to perfection, to boasting, and to the tongue. And then finally, I want you to pay attention when we talk about wisdom at the end of the chapter. So keep an ear out for those words and an eye out when you're doing your own reading. So in chapter three, it says, not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. This is an important thing because in the previous chapter, we talked about um, your, your actions are also connected with how you speak. And so speaking is now becoming more prominent. The tongue is going to take hold of James's argument. And he starts that by saying, uh, he's talking about teachers. And one of the things you have to understand about a teacher, it's not just uh, simply the role of a teacher, somebody who has that job. We're not talking about a a high school teacher, a college teacher, even a church teacher, but actually somebody who is saying they have authority, that they have mastered content. And remember that because we'll bring it back up later. But they have mastered content, and so they are now speaking as an authority. James is saying be careful of that position. Be careful of how you you talk about that authority, talk about mastering things, you will be judged based on that influence. And how is it that somebody teaches or instructs? Now, there's obviously different ways to teach, but the predominant way is, even what I'm doing right here, is to speak. And so that's where he he jumps off of there and he starts talking about how we speak, how we should be uh, instructing others of what we have mastered. To be careful, you're going to be judged. And if anyone stumbles in what he says, or if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man and able to bridle his his whole body. Now, I want you to jump back to chapter one, and you're looking at the introduction of James, and he says that we want to grow in our steadfastness because we're looking towards uh, eternity, towards the coming of God. And so if you look at 
uh, it says that we're going to be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. Here, he says that if you're able to bridle your tongue, then you're a perfect person. So does that mean that uh, we, we are supposed to strive for that? I would say yes. We're supposed to be working and letting that steadfastness build in us. This is not a statement by James saying, well, we should all give up because there's no way we can be perfect. But he's saying that mark of controlling yourself, being, uh, being able to demonstrate self-control, that is the mark of perfection. And like we talked about in chapter 1, how do we pursue that perfection? How is that perfection working in us? That completeness is not going to come until Jesus is with us. But additionally, that completeness is working in us right now through wisdom from God. He's teaching us. Then James gives some really cool illustrations. He talks about the bridle in a horse's mouth, uh, the rudder of a ship, and he's making the point that a small thing can influence something much larger than itself. And so the tongue, perfect example, the tongue can be something that guides the entire body. But what's interesting is he says in chapter 3, verse 5, that it boasts of great things. Your tongue can boast of great things. And I think this is an interesting concept to spend some time on because what is the this idea of boasting? And how does it fit within James's whole argument of demonstrating our faith? Well, if you think about it, what good is a confession? What good is, is saying something uh, without actions to back up what you have said with your tongue? That's what we would actually call a liar in a negative sense. Is If somebody says, I do such and such, I will do such and such, and then they don't back it up with their actions, we would call them a liar. In the same way, this is an interesting illustration to say that the tongue boasts. It's a small thing, but it boasts of great things. But in reality, what can the tongue actually do but boast? What can your words actually accomplish other than just saying what you will or have done? It's always boasting. And we want to talk about how to boast in the right way, but it says how great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire. And here I think this is an important point because it's saying that the small thing grows in its influence, that the small item, the tongue, is going to grow in its influence over your body, that it's going to consume the forest. The fire is small, but it can grow and it consume. And that connected with boasting is, you know, just wow, like what you're really cutting deep, James. You're really getting to all of us is this picture of the small thing and then it consuming us. And he goes further and he says that that fire is a world of unrighteousness, that the tongue is going to affect our entire course of life, the whole body. And he says that that fire is set by hell. And that's where the boasting comes in, that we boast of these things without our actions backing up the things that we say. And uh, that, that is here, when you go to verse 7 and verse 8, such a powerful statement that we can rely on the power of God. He says, humans have been able to conquer all beasts, all animals. We have always been top of the food chain, but we can't control the one small member of our body. That we can tame animals. I have uh, lived and experience what he's talking about with a horse. I have been on a horse that is so much 
so much strength, has so much more power than I do. I have been on top of a horse, and with just a bit in its mouth, I can control that horse. But I can't actually control my tongue. Those, how do, how do we control that member that boasts and is going to consume us? And it says, no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. With it, we bless our Lord and Father, and with it, we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. Wow. What a statement that he says. Uh, he, he's, he's cutting both ways, and he's getting here to the point of hypocrisy, that if you're going to curse or you're going to say negative things towards another human being, remember they are made in the image of God. And so don't think that you can just say good things and worship and say good things towards God and then go treat other human beings however you please. But with the same reverence, the same respect that you give towards God with your mouth, you should be working in that same way, giving that respect towards other human beings. They are made in his image. They are his. He wanted them how they are. And for you to talk against them is in the same sense that you're talking against God. God. They are his in his image. From the same mouth come blessing and cursing, my brothers. These things ought not to be so. Does a spring pour forth from the same opening both fresh and salt water? Can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives or a grapevine produce figs? Neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. He gives these illustrations to talk about what he just said about blessing God and then cursing humans. And he says, He gives an illustration that we've seen multiple times in Scripture that Jesus says that you will be able to know people by their fruits. And here you even have an illustration James is using about fruit trees. And he also says, it's not, Jesus says, it's not what goes into a man that defiles him, but what comes out of a man that defiles him. And I think James is pulling on that teaching of Jesus. And here he's he's building up. Uh, as we move into this, the final portion of this chapter, he's building up and making a, a very large claim. That, uh, and it's all connected with our speech, our tongue. And this is, so let me track it for you. He's talked about boasting. He's talked about blessing God. He's previously talked about our actions, our behaviors. He's talked about teaching. And now he's just said that you... Uh, cannot produce something that is unnatural to you. So know them by their fruits. And so a person cannot speak good things unless they themselves have good motives and have a good heart and have the the right idea towards other human beings. You You cannot have salt and fresh water. You cannot have a different kind of fruit come out of your life, but what is in your heart. And so here, James is is right at this this point, and he's tied everything together. Our speech is a good indicator of what is in our heart, and what is in our heart is going to come out in our actions, in our activity, and those things demonstrate our belief. And so, here's something I would give to you as a a practical illustration of what I believe James is, is painting a picture of. How do we be witnesses for Christ? How do we demonstrate our, our faith? How do we show people what we believe? Is it by what we say or is it by what we do? And James says it's by what we do. 
And that demonstrates our faith in Christ. Because if you think about it, your tongue can say things, but your tongue can actually be disjointed from uh, your heart, meaning that you can be saying things, you can be trying to, to say, I love the Lord, but then your actions, you're, you're blessing the Lord and cursing humans all at one time with the same tongue. And these, these heart motives can be revealed. You need to learn to reflect. All of us have to constantly be looking at ourselves and paying attention to the words we say because the words we say will govern our heart and it will come out in our actions. If we're constantly speaking uh, hatred, if we're constantly uh, focusing on negativity towards others and negativity towards uh, different things in life, it's going to start working on our heart and we're going to feel that bitterness. We're going to begin to feel that jealousy, that hatred. And then once we get that in our heart and we're feeling that, it'll start coming out in our actions and it will demonstrate what we really believe. That double-mindedness that James talked about previously, it's going to demonstrate. And so that's why the tongue is that small fire that will consume the entire forest, consume the body. Your tongue is going to guide your heart and your heart is going to guide your actions. And those actions are going to demonstrate what you believe in. And so you have to make a practice is what James is saying. You have to be careful of what you, you speak, what you say. Don't boast of things, but actually just do things. Um, and in a sense, you can think of even uh, what James says previously as what you would do is like trash talking on a football field. You know, it's one thing to talk trash and say, yeah, I'm going to do this, this, and this. But is it, you know, more intimidating by somebody who just says they're going to do something? Or are you intimidated by the player who hasn't said a word, but has actually sacked the quarterback every play? You know, so you can show how good you are by your activity, by your, uh, your ability to perform. And that's basically what James says is, I'll show you my faith by my works. I'll show you my my what I believe in. I'll show you who I am by what I do. And so keep that in mind. We're moving into the last portion of scripture, uh, last portion of the, the chapter, I mean. He says, who is wise and understanding among you? By his good conduct, let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom. Now, it's important here that James is not saying we, we don't have wisdom or that somebody can't be wise. Because in a little bit, he's going to talk about different kinds of wisdom. But he's not going to say that we can't be wise. But he says, who is wise among you? And then he gives instruction is that if you are wise, uh, let it be shown by meekness. Let it be shown in humility. But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast. Okay, so there's your word again. Do not boast and be false to the truth. This is not the wisdom that comes down from above, but is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder and every vile practice. Okay, so before we go on to the, the contrast, the good, pay attention to all the things that he's just echoed back to chapter one, echoed back to the things we've talked about previously, that He's saying we need to be humble in our wisdom, but he also talks about that boasting, the false, uh, to be false to the truth, is connected with bitter jealousy, selfish ambition, and that it is 
rooted in your heart. He's, he's tying all of these things together. And he says that that kind of wisdom, that kind of knowledge, uh, you know, you can go find wisdom from all over the place in the world. The, the world is going to tell you to fight for your own, to, to maneuver and to manipulate and to do things to other people so that you can end up on top to celebrate yourself so that you can gain things. And he says, that is not from above. And remember previously, he said that all of our good gifts come from above, from the Father of lights. And so he says, those things, that selfish ambition, ambition that is not from above. Jealousy and bitter, bitterness is not from God. But if you have that, if you are letting that come out in your your speech, your actions, and you are doing that, you're actually aligning yourself. And this is not the first time he's brought up the demonic. He, but James says, you're aligning yourself with the enemy. You're demonstrating whose side you're actually on. When you act on that wisdom, when you behave through that wisdom, you are showing everybody whose team you're actually on. You are showing them whose wisdom you favor because you are operating how the world operates. You are cursing human beings. You are cursing those that are made in the image of God. You are demonstrating that. And so he then goes on to contrast it. Receive um, good fruits was just talked about with the fig tree. And it's impartial and sincere. Impartial, we already talked about, of where you would seat people when you come to eat. And then he says, and a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. And so one final thing I would say here in contrast to the teacher that you find at the beginning of chapter three is a teacher is somebody who is assumed to be a a master of sorts. But here at the end of chapter three, we see a contrast of worldly wisdom and heavenly wisdom the wisdom that is from above. Now, in the episode on chapter one, I briefly mentioned that wisdom, in some cases, it seems like New Testament writers could be using wisdom to talk about being filled with the Spirit of God. And especially, even if you don't believe it is spirit baptism, we can definitely see that it is a, a, a form of from God, to say that wisdom is from above. We see that this is something that is uh, spiritual, that it is from divine, and he is helping us to become that perfect, that ideal that he desires. And when I say ideal, I don't mean uh, our ideal, but what God desires, the things that he wants. And so this is, again, back to that point of choosing who you're going to serve. Temptation doesn't come from God. Looking yourself in the mirror, but then also evaluating your actions, evaluating your behavior. And then being able to evaluate how, how do we decide what, if, if our actions are, are pure, pay attention to our, our speech, how we talk about other human beings. And that can be informed by the amount of peace we're seeking. And that peace is going to come from above. That desire, those fruits that are pleasing to God are going to be coming down from him. He's going to influence us. And so wisdom is more than just uh, a a mental thing. It is not just simply uh, somebody, you know, like you have a sage or a guru, somebody that is wise and they're a good thinker. 
But wisdom is actually connected with skill or activity in Scripture. And so, you know, you even uh, talk about the tabernacle being made, that they were filled with the Spirit for wisdom. It's actually, in some translations, you'll see it's interpreted as, as skill or craftsman. And that's because a, mas- uh, a master, if you had mastered something, then you were wise in that area. To say somebody has wisdom is to say that they are in control. Now, that's very interesting when you're talking of everything we have from James so far is uh, what has been leading up to this point on wisdom. Well, one, we know we're supposed to be asking God for wisdom. We know that uh, people struggle with things like their tongue, a small member that can consume the whole body. But we want to be perfect because he says that somebody who can control the tongue is perfect. But remember in chapter 1, we're working towards that perfection, that we are working in our steadfastness to be perfect and complete. All of that, that control, that self-control, that wisdom is all locked in with it. We are supposed to be mastering. And it's not we get to master ourselves because remember he contrasts it with the world. The way we would naturally want to master ourselves is selfish ambition, jealousy. Um, But the way from above, from God, is we're actually going to be mastering ourselves through peace, through love, through those things that are counterintuitive. And you have to, this is why I would say it's, it's connected with the Spirit because you have to be remade. You have lived a whole life in this world and you have to rely on God to remake you, to pursue correct wisdom, not just moral wisdom or you know, good, fair, ethical wisdom, anything like that. It is wisdom that is in line and is in the image of God. Because remember, we're demonstrating our faith by our works. And so that wisdom is going to inform us. It should help us control our tongue. And if we can control our speech, if we can control our our activities towards other human beings and things, it's going to continue to inform our heart. And then an incredible cycle begins that's led by God to transform us. And in the next chapter, we're going to be talking about how James moves this forward even more. So read ahead and be prepared. And I look forward to seeing any comments or questions that any of you will have. Make sure to follow me on social media. Be ready for those posts to ask questions. This is James chapter 3 on Breaking Theology. Peace out.